Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi there, friend. Welcome to the show today. And I just have to say, I am so glad that you are tuning in and spending time with me. And you're going to be so glad that you did today because as women and moms, we have a lot of power and influence. We are leaders. Even though you might not think of yourself as a leader, you are. We are the CEOs of our homes. And we have these beautiful feminine qualities and gifts inside each one of us. But rarely do we talk about the feminine gifts. We talk a lot about, we hear about the masculine when it comes to power and being influential, but we tend to undervalue or overlook our own feminine power and influence. And in this episode, we are going to dig into how to harness our feminine power with my special guest, colleague, and friend, Lauren Schifferdecker. Lauren is the author of her recently released book, She's Not Crazy, Dare to Understand Your Feminine Power for True Freedom, Success, and Influence. Lauren is also a TEDx speaker, CEO, and psychotherapist. She was recently named a top power woman by Sheridan Road Magazine and the most influential women entrepreneur thriving in the healthcare system by Healthcare Insights Magazine. In this episode, Lauren shares with us how we can embrace our feminine power to find freedom, balance, peace, and success in life. So let's dive in. Lauren, welcome. I am so excited to have you here. And I feel like, you know, we've been I consider you a friend. I consider you a colleague. Uh, We go way back. I mean, your dad has been my therapist. He's mentored me. Your mom has been my coach. (laughs) You know, we've talked about growing our businesses and, you know, been on retreats together. And I I just feel like it's like homecoming time, you know, having you on here. Oh, I feel the same. It is so sweet. Um, And it's just so fun to watch you grow and helping all these moms of teens and tweens. And you started it before I even had kids. So it's kind of wild that now I have my, I have my own teens and tweens. So it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't wait to talk about what you've built. Oh my gosh. 
Um, I introduced you a little bit before we jumped on here, but just your therapy practices just are booming. And now you come out with a new book and it's going to be, by the time we, we go live with this, it's going to be in print. So they're going to be able to get it. And I'm super excited, but I'm going to, I printed it out. Oh, you got it there. So not all of our, our listeners can't see it, but it's, I love it. I love the cover. She's not crazy. Okay. Moms who feels crazy. Oh yeah. And yeah. Dare to understand your feminine power for true freedom, success, and influence. Yep. That's wow. Right. <laughs> yeah. So what, what led you to write this book? You know, I think like so many people I've always dreamed of writing a book, but I never knew what would be the topic that really grabbed me. Um, and I feel like this was really powerful because you know, as I've grown as a mother, but as in an entrepreneurial world, I've really like studied all kinds of power and influence and all that kind of stuff. And I've noticed that, you know, there's so much masculine power that is celebrated and studied and um, like assertion and being direct and being, you know, concise and having vision and drive and physical strength and all those things. And they're beautiful. Like I'm not, this is not a man bashing kind of thing, but um, the feminine gifts, the feminine power, how to lead, how to grow, you know, in our home as women, we're leaders. We influence our families. We are set the tone for the home. And, you know, and there's so much in the, in the entrepreneurial and in the business world as well, or whatever women are working on, I think influence is kind of at the crux of everything. And there's so much feminine um, value in, in the feminine side of power that just, I, in my opinion, and when I've been doing research, it, there wasn't enough out there. And so as I kind of developed myself, one of the things I really wanted to do was I wanted to be as influential and successful as, as possible, but I didn't want to do it like a man. I wanted to do it as a woman and in engaging both sides, my masculine power and my feminine power. So I really believe that we all have this already within us. But I think as women, we often overlook and almost undervalue what we think of uh, feminine power. We kind of dismiss it or lay, play it down. And a lot of times, and the reason it's kind of a you know cheeky, silly title, she's not crazy, but so often, you know, I would catch myself being like, oh, I just feel crazy. And when I really dug into it, I realized that underneath the crazy, there's so much feminine power and value. It's just having to understand it and harness it in a way so it doesn't feel so overwhelming or we don't just kind of write ourselves off as silly or crazy or I'm, you know, just, I'm just me. So um, this is kind of my hope is that it's for women and men, but just that, that we see more balance and power, but really, especially the emphasis on the feminine side, because it's just not celebrated enough and it makes a difference in the home. It makes a difference at work. And I really think our world kind of needs more balance in how we um, have power. So that that's kind of it. <laughs> I I love having this conversation. I was telling you, I've never had anybody on the podcast that has ever talked about this. Oh. And I, I just want to pause on leaders in the family because yeah. I think that, you know, I don't know, maybe I'll date myself, but we think, <laughs> oh, the man's the leader, you yeah. know, like yeah. he's the leader. Yeah. And I remember yeah. one time somebody saying to me, I was looking to my husband to do something. 
And I was like really frustrated that he wasn't doing it. And they said to me, you can lead in that area. Yes. And I was like, you know, that's an area that you are strong in that you need to lead. And I was like, what? (laughs) Isn't he supposed to do that? Totally. You know, but I was like, really? And it got me thinking about that, like you're talking about feminine power. So when you think about the difference between feminine power and masculine power, can you speak to that a little bit? Like what's the difference? Absolutely. And I mean, and this is sort of like a matter of my opinion, you know, but when we look at masculine power, and I love what you're saying too about your husband and you, it, it, it that's really the the whole idea is the balance, right? So there's areas that the masculine power is essential and it's beautiful and it leads, but then there leaves room for there are areas and there's times where the feminine power can lead and uh, be beautiful. So when the at the very crux of everything, when I you look at masculine power and feminine power, if you look at even just like physical intimacy, like how is a baby created? How does it, a man is in assertive. He drives forward and a woman receives. A woman has to open herself and receive. And that takes a lot of strength and courage and vulnerability. You have to surrender in a way. And I think sometimes we look at that as like submissive or as um, less powerful, but it's actually very, very powerful. There's so many areas where um, another thing about women is like it's creating space, holding space. You know, our physical bodies are the epicenter of creation. We hold two cells together and in nine months time, give way. We create space. We protect, we nourish the baby, and then we give way and birth new life. And whether you've had a baby, whether, however gender you are, whatever you feel or whatever you're born with, this is even for men too. At the crux of women's feminine power is receiving and giving birth to new life, you know, where we can do that for ourselves. We can give birth to ourselves. We can give birth to new ideas. We can give birth to our children's uh, dreams. Like there's so many ways and it is very, very powerful when we have used someone who listens as a receiving kind of power, listening, absorbing, being with someone, sitting with them while they're in their pain and not like masculine power will be offering solutions, right? A feminine power says, I can hold your hand while you cry and cry with you. You know, I can sit with you and allow you to figure this out on your own and believe in your strength that you have. I don't need to fix it. So those are the, again, it's not right or wrong, but I think that we sometimes look at that as submissive or that we're not the leaders, mm-hmm. but women truly, we lead the the tone of our home. Any think of any morning with your family bustling around. If mom's in a bad mood, it it ripples through the whole family, you know. And and that could be said of anybody, but there is something very quintessential to women's setting the tone of the home and setting the tone for their the growth in the home and and all of that kind of stuff. So I think when we look at the masculine versus feminine, we just don't. I don't think, and I I myself kind of didn't look at it as strong, as fiercely strong as it is to be able to receive, receiving compliment, receiving um, love. You know, it takes strength receiving, you know, even in the intimate setting, 
receiving, it creates you 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 have to be so strong and trust your own strength to be vulnerable and to surrender and to be just still and quiet. Like there's so many things like that. I just um, you know, I just love the idea of women harnessing it and and expressing emotions too. You know, one of the things I start off the book, I'm like, have you ever been like pouring your heart out or crying or really emotion? And then someone asks you, are you getting your period? And it's like, <laughs> oh my God, it makes you so crazy. It makes, well, it makes me crazy. Uh, like it makes me feel so upset and why crazy, I mean, upset because you're like, no, I, like I feel this way and you might be right, which is the most infuriating of it all. But like, I always say like, <laughs> it's, your, it's not, it's like, but we're not crazy. It's not to be discounted what we say. Yeah, we have feelings, but it's like embracing our emotions and embracing, you know, our ideas and our feelings. All of that is a very, very powerful tool for us to tap into rather than be like, crap, they're right. I am getting my period and I must not have meant what I said. No, both can be true. You can mean what you're saying. And you can be hormonal or you could be going through menopause or whatever it is. Both can be true at the same time. I think hormones are more like a microphone. Something bothers you on any other given day. You might like it might you might say something, but then on when your hormones are kind of kicking into gear, it's like saying that same thing, but it's into a microphone much louder. <laughs> yeah. More attention to it for yourself and other people. But um, but yeah, but just looking at it is not something to be embarrassed of or diminish your, or, you know, I I've done that before where I'm like, God, you wake up the next day and you're kind of like, did I mean that I did get my period? Like maybe I, maybe I was just too silly. It's like, no, I can mean it. And you can still go back and repair and say, maybe that came across too harshly, but both can be true. You know? Yeah. Gosh. I, I love the part about how the feminine power being received, you know, receiving, and you have to be brave. Yes. It does take it. You do have yes. to be brave. You do have to surrender. Yeah. And that can feel yeah. weak. Yes. And so you're, you're, you're shifting our mindset around how we view it. So yeah. I wasn't originally going to ask this, but I have to yeah. ask, how do we get in the way of embracing our feminine power? Cause I have a thought, but I want to hear yeah. what you have to say. You know, I think when I look at it, I think one of the things is just that we haven't studied it enough and we haven't celebrated it enough and understood it. So, you know, in my own life, when I've looked, there's been times where I feel like very emotional or, you know, my kids will tease me, oh, mom's crying at a commercial and I kind of feel silly or weak or, you know, and I realized, I think part of it is, is owning it and, and seeing that as a power. Like, actually, this is great. My kids are seeing me feel. My kids are seeing that something on TV, you know, it's a commercial or like a quick, you know, inst oh my gosh, all the Instagram reels that I'll watch. I'm like, oh, especially on the dogs. I'm like, they're so cute. <laughs> They'll get me crying. And it's like, I can show them that like, I can be brave and strong and cry. And even if no one is crying with me, I can hold my emotions and it's a beautiful thing. It's not an embarrassing thing. So I think we often, I mean, there's probably many, many ways and it's probably unique to each human, but I think a lot of times we just dismiss ourselves. We dismiss the things that actually are hidden powers and we kind of feel we, we play them down or we feel silly or we just don't even look at it that way. I think a lot of it's just perspective. Yeah. That we don't, I, yeah, 
that we don't, we feel like we have to apologize as yes. like we're feeling yes. emotional yes. and, oh, I'm too sensitive. Like I heard yes. that, you know, a lot, yes. you're too sensitive yeah. versus, yeah. you know, I can feel, and that's a beautiful part of who I am. Yes. And that that's a strength. Yeah. And I know yeah. a lot of moms are very comforted by that. Yeah. Yeah. So you chose to call it, uh, she's not crazy. So yeah. how are you crazy? How am I not? <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I think it's funny. My kids will always be like, mom, you're so like all over the place. And I said, you know what? I'm passionate. And so I started saying, I'm not crazy. I'm passionate. Um, and I said, that's the price of passion. Now, not everybody, I do have a personality. And I said, you know, it's, I always describe feelings like you're on a swing. So when you go forward, you feel so good. Your feet are going to the sky and they feel like you're touching the clouds. And then you go backwards, but backwards, you sort of, it's a little scary. It's, you know, it's like a little unnerving. Um, you know, you don't really necessarily know what's behind you. And, and like, so in the analogy of feelings, the, the degree that you go forward, is, I, I think of it as kind of like the joy, the bliss, the excitement, the laughter. And then the backwards is the sadness, the fear, anxiety, the all of those feelings that we we tend to not want to feel. I do believe all feelings are, are good. I don't have good and bad, but there are ones that we tend to want to experience. There's ones we tend to not want to. And to the degree that you swing backwards is the degree you swing forwards. So if you swing a little bit backwards, you swing a little bit forwards. And if you swing really, you push really far and you go really far backwards, that's when you get up to the top where you can either like flip off, which is always what I did, <laughs> or you just in, you see your feet and you feel like you're touching the sky. So one thing I noticed is like so many people, when I, when I work with people and the clients and so many people are so afraid to go backwards that they're just uh -huh. sitting on the swing and they're going, why am I not going forward? Why am I not feeling that joy, the aliveness, the excitement, the passion, all of that. And they, they just want to go forward, but you can't, swings don't work like that and neither do feelings. And so when I explain to my kids, I'm like, I'm not crazy. I'm passionate. So it means I swing far back. And I swing far forward. So when I'm happy, I'm really excited and happy and I laugh. And when I watch something that makes my heart tug, I cry. And then when I get upset, I get really upset. I feel very scared. I feel very angry. I, I So, you know, and I do believe in balance. Like I don't try, I try not to just, you know, unleash hell when I'm in a bad mood, but I do feel things deeply. And so when I started shifting that my kids, and then I say to my kids, I'm like, but I like that about myself because I like going forward. I like that. And not everybody needs to swing that far. That That's up to each and every human on the planet to decide what they want to do. But I will say this. I think when we call it crazy, it feels like there's something wrong with us. And, and I have felt that way. I mean, I feel crazy all the time. It's why I named the book that I'm still, I mean, this book is for everyone, but this book is for myself too. I'm, I'm doing my own work through the book. And it's like, when we call it crazy though, it just diminishes the power. It diminishes the beautiful gifts. And when I called it passionate, I'm like, oh, this is just the price of passion to the point where my kids are like, uh, just the price of passion. They think it's so annoying, <laughs> but it's me talking to me. I'm actually not even talking to them. I'm talking to me because I am like, I'm not going to feel 
embarrassed or silly or diminish it like in saying, I'm just crazy. Oh, mom's just crazy. Like, no, mom's just having a day. Mom's having her feelings, but mom's also got a big heart and that can listen to you when you're having a day because I know what it feels like, you know? So I think it's just reframing it all and um, kind of moving away from, you know, we're all busy. I, every one of us, I think that's, we are all busy and we all get fried and we all have ways that we love our families. We love the people in our life and we put ourselves second. We put ourselves last and then we have very little to give. And so that's been another kind of piece of it for me too, is like, how do we set ourselves up Mm -hmm. so that we are able to give our best, but also not just in the deficit of our own mental wellness, you know, we giving, um, from our best self, you know? Yeah. Gosh, you said so many good things. I'm like taking, I've been taking notes. <laughs> Don't you <because>, passionate. <laughs> yeah. I love holding it like I'm passionate and there's a deadness and you and I know, you know, yeah. we've been trained this way where if you shut one motion down, you shut them all down. Yeah. And I know that certainly was true for me. You know, I didn't want to feel my anger. I didn't want to feel my grief and sadness. And so I shut it down. But then once I started feeling it, and I see this, and I know you do too, you see this all the time in your practice, when you really start coming alive, when you let yourself feel those emotions. Yeah. And I, and I have somebody that's actually on my mom's tweens and teens team. And so she's been working on her feelings and emotions and she said, oh my gosh, now I'm laughing more yeah. than I've ever laughed, yeah. but we're scared to go there. Yeah, we absolutely. hold ourselves back. Like yeah. I'll start feeling something and then it's like, oh, I don't want to feel that, you know? So yeah. then we pop back up, but yeah. really we need to give space to those feelings yeah. and they, they need attention. Yep. And yeah. So what absolutely. I hear you is this aliveness, like you're fully, you want to be fully alive. And do you think that's part of the reason that you've been able to be as successful as you are? Because how many practice, how many therapists do you now have? And how many practices have you opened in Chicago? Um, We've got four. We're opening Evanston like any month now. (laughs) Um, So I think we're probably around 70 therapists and we have two nurse practitioners that do medication. So, um, in growing. I mean, we're, I probably am north of that number, but yeah, we're just, we are busy. we got a lot going on. And I think, yeah, I do think the aliveness and the passion help fuel a lot. And it also can be what gets in my way too. You know, I am my own best, you know, like my best uh, asset and I'm my worst asset. So it's like, for me, not letting when I get discouraged and when I get upset or when I feel down, not letting it completely consume me um, because I can kind of just want to hide or go away. And I think I love what you were saying with the swing, because I think that about the, the feelings that you were saying that we're mm-hmm. all feel scared to feel the grief or the sadness. And and, and I do too. Um, and I think not every day we swing full swing. That's the thing I like about the swing. <laughs> is like, you know, if you're sitting and you feel kind of dead, Part of it is just feeling a little, you know, maybe, you, you know, no one starts off the swing unless someone gives you an underdog, which is fun, but <laughs> it's not really like life. You start off by swinging back a little and you swing forward a little 
And then as you get comfortable, you can go a little bit more. And then if you feel like you're going too far and you want to slow down, you can kind of slow down the pace, but you pump a little slower. So not every day is a full swing, but I think it is the idea of like that. I wouldn't trade all of the dark, hard feelings that I don't enjoy. I wouldn't trade them because then the price of feeling alive and happy. And like, when I laugh, I laugh hard. And when I like, you know, when I cry, I cry. It's like, and when I'm having fun, I feel very engaged and, um, and I'm able to get a lot done and I'm able to like touch a lot of people. And that I think is the upside of the aliveness. And, you know, I think when we call it crazy, I think when we say, oh, you're just crazy, or you're being crazy, it, keeps us sitting on that swing. It deadens us because they go, no one wants to be called crazy. No one wants to think that about themselves. So if we can look at it as like, oh, I'm a woman and I'm embracing feminine gifts. I'm embracing my feminine power and influence. I'm influencing my family. I'm influencing the people I work with and the people I, you know, stand in line to target with. You can influence people around you. Um, And I think when you embrace that you have that power versus just saying, oh, God, I'm crazy, or I'm uh, I'm just too much, or I'm too this, or I'm not enough, and all those things that keeps us sitting on a swing, scared to feel anything, and then we're just numb. And I think I just have seen for myself and for people I work with, when you allow yourself to feel and and live, it it's just life is so much sweeter, and you have more to give to the people around you. Yes. Oh, for sure. And this might be new for our listeners talking about feelings in this way, because I certainly know it was for me. Yeah. You know, and then it's like, what do you do with them? But you, you have a map that you use in your book. Can you speak a little bit about that? How to just nurture your feminine power and to find your passion. So what does that look like? Yeah. So, I mean, basically I put the book into three different kind of categories. So there's chapters in each category. And then the first one is about relationships. The other one is about success. And then the third one is about, oh my gosh, now I have to look and remember what it is, um, life. So, oh no, sorry, vulnerability, relationships, and life. Okay. And so each of these um, chapters, I kind of give steps and and ideas and a lot of vulnerable stories and, and examples from people um, about what that looks like and being vulnerable is kind of the first step. You know, Brene Brown is like, you know, everyone's hero and mine, especially, and, but showing that vulnerability is a feminine thing. You know, you're, you're, you're opening You're again, it's like a receiving it's you're have to stand in your own strength to be vulnerable. And that is really the key that unlocks so many of the other powers. So then Again, throughout the um, thing, then we talk about relationships and how do we bring our feminine power to relationships? So that's kind of the second piece of the map, if you will. There's actually no real map. And now I'm thinking maybe I should have one, but it's it's kind of a metaphorical one. And then the last one is life. Like, how do we bring all of this together for our own life, for our own influence, for how we want to have success and how we want to live um, on this planet with our short, sweet time that we have? Mm. That you start with vulnerability is so good because I think that's the that's the connection with the feelings and yeah. the feminine power and feelings are vulnerable. It does yeah. take courage yes. and vulnerability. And then to, 
figure out like, how can I, and, and that's the heart of connection. Right. Exactly. We can be on the surface all day long, but if we're not real, if I'm not saying to you, you know, when you said that, I, I felt hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'm going to, I'm going to hold a grudge and, yeah. you know, and then I'm going to build my, my case and I'm not going to, yeah. if I don't tell you, and then before you yeah. know it, I mean, I just think of all the relationships before I learned this, that I was kind of like, see ya. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, I'm going to take my toys out of the sandbox and go home. Being vulnerable is engaging. And there's a way that we can do that in a very feminine, beautiful way, where it's like masculine way of doing it. And sometimes this it, that's needed too. But the masculine way is like, you, you're out of line, you did this and this, and da, da, da. the vulnerable feminine way of doing it can be kind and gentle, but still honest and strong and bold. Like, you know, when you said that, I kind of felt like you were putting me down or I kind of felt silly and stupid when you said that, or, you know, you, you invited these people to lunch and I noticed I didn't make the list and I'm sure it wasn't meant to be, you didn't do anything illegal you didn't do anything wrong. You can have lunch with whoever you want, but I have to tell you, like it, for me, it felt really sad to not be there. And when I saw that post on Facebook or Instagram, I just thought, Oh, like, why not me? And I just wanted to share that with you. You'd have not, you don't have to explain it, but I just want you to know that. So like when we start talking like that with each other, we can be gentle. You know, we don't have to say, you know, you did something wrong or your kid did something wrong to my kid. Mm -hmm. There's a way in which we can honor our feelings and honor our, our experience and still extend grace, you know, and say, you probably didn't think of this way, or I'm sure you didn't wake up and say, how can I hurt her feelings today? Or, you know, know, we can extend grace, but also like let people know where we're at. And that's where you start seeing, is this a person that I can vulnerably trust and can our relationship develop? And when you find those people, it's golden because then they'll tell you if you misstep. Otherwise, the relationship is just doomed to end. Um, and it, you yeah. know, it's, it's mm-hmm. going to inevitably lay it with you or someone else emotionally shutting down or just drifting. And, and you know, sometimes that's the right move for a relationship. But I think there's so many that that's not necessary. You could have so much more fun and connection, but it, does, it takes a lot of guts. It takes a yeah. lot of bravery yes. to be that vulnerable. Yeah. And you're saying, I'm telling you this because you really matter to me. It's really the essence of it. Yep. And, you know, letting them know how, how you feel. And it does, it takes a lot of courage and, you know, being a psychotherapist and working, you know, you work so much with, with moms and also with teens, with adolescents, it models it for our kids. Absolutely. Yeah. And so then they learn how to do it. Absolutely. And be able to have those healthier relationships yeah. and in their lives. I always, I always say your kids are not listening to us. They're watching us. You know, mm-hmm. we give such great advice to our kids. And I know I'm guilty of it myself. Like my daughter will have a little, you know, scuffle with a friend. And I'm like, oh, you should blow up. And I'm like, do I do that? Like, and so <laughs> I've really challenged myself to be like, if I want to give advice to my kids, I have to pull uh, the rule that I gave myself that it has to be pulled from an example of a time that I did that. Mm. So here's what happened with me and my friend, like, and I will tell my kids, you know, like, here's something I'm going through right now, whether it's with, you know, a friend or a colleague or at work or stress that I feel. And I say, 
And here's what I'm doing. And let them actually give me advice. Like, it's really cool. You start building a bridge rather than becoming a candy dispenser of advice that we don't take ourselves. And you get so much more credibility. So if I want to say something, well, you should just tell her that you're blah, 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 blah. You know, I think to myself, have I ever done that? <laughs> if I have, then I tell her about it. And then I tell her how it went. Did it go good or did it go bad? Then, but if I if I have something I want to tell my kids that I am not living or haven't tried myself, then I'm missing out on the fun too. And they and they don't they see through that. So they're listening to you a little, but they're really watching you. Like, how do you handle it? How do you handle things that you're stressful stressed out with and challenges that you're facing in your life? Yeah. I love the candy analogy. I'm thinking, and they usually don't want that candy. No, they as don't. As much as they might like that, you know, like candy, they're not going to like our candy. So when, so when true. we, we want to give, you know, advice and yeah. they, they don't want it. They, mm. you know, it's yeah. It usually falls on deaf ears and doesn't work, yeah. especially when you're tweens and teens. Oh my gosh. And, and in fact, I used to, I worked a lot with parents around this. I would have a mom come in and say, Oh, my daughter is dating this guy and he is just bad news and all the stuff. And I'm listening and I'm going, oh yeah, he is bad news. And, and she's like, I, I just been telling her, like, I'm trying to show her all these things, these red flags and this and this and this. And, and she's, you know, whatever. And I said, listen, here's how it is in the role, the mind of an adolescent, their job is to detach from you. Their job is to become an adult and go fly off and and they're going their peers become more important so anything they say trumps you their 13 year old advice trumps yours you're like oh my gosh like that's crazy and it, and it is but i said if you really want to uh make a connection with your kid and you want to make a point one tell a story from your own life but two i said think of it a little bit like the opposite game so you say go left they're, it's not because they're defiant and it's not because they're jerks or they're terrible. Their brain is wired and it's a beautiful thing. It's what they're meant to do. Their brain is wired to go right. You say left, they go right. So I said, <sighs> if you want her to get married to this guy, keep driving the point home that he's a bad guy. If you <laughs> want her to go to prom with him, you keep it up. You're you're on the path. So if you want her to see what you see in him, take a step back. And if she complains about him, just listen or just say, well, you know, and I said, this is radical. And I, I know this sounds weird, but you could almost take the opposite thing and say, I don't know. I'm sure he didn't mean to um, kiss your best friend. Maybe it was just a mistake. I mean, and that's a little <laughs> bit out there, but like, but it's just like, but don't, don't buy into it. Like, oh my gosh, I told you he's such a bad guy and blah, 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 blah. You want to kind of just take a step back and realize that their brain is beautifully designed to reject your advice. So you got to come at it from a different angle because what they want to do is become an adult. So you start talking to them like an adult. What do we do with adults? We talk about our experiences. We talk with respect and believe that they can make a decision on their own. Um, and if, if that doesn't even compute, then I just say, think about a time that you were talking to a friend or your husband or your partner and you're like, something, you know, is bothering you. And they're like, well, have you called? Did you try? You know what? You should do that. And you're also like, oh God, it's so insulting. Cause you're like, yes, I know how to fix it. And I don't need you to do it. I definitely oh, don't need you to yeah. tell me how to do it. I just want you to listen and 
confirm how frustrating this is. That's all I want you to do. And our kids are doing the same thing with us. They don't, the minute you start dispensing advice or nuggets of wisdom, you have lost it, the game with them in terms of winning their, having your influence and having them trust you as a person to go to because it diminishes. First, they're not going to listen to what you're saying because their brains are wired not to. Second, they're not going to see you as someone comforting to talk to. They're going to see, yeah, see, my mom doesn't get it. She just doesn't get it. You know, you're a different generation. You, it was different for you. You guys didn't even have cell phones. You're old, you know? <laughs> <laughs> It does. It backfires every time. And you totally. can just see it in their body language. Oh, you know, all of a sudden their head starts late. They're in the car. They're looking out the window. They're like yep. as far, try to get away as yep. far as they can yep. from you. And, and the unfortunate thing is that what as mothers and as women, the advice we're giving is usually great. The problem oh, yeah. is they're not going to take it. So it's like, you got to kind of come at it at a different angle. <laughs> yeah. Or even with, oh, what do you like about him? You know, like get them to think about what they think. Yeah. 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 Versus telling them what they should think or what they should say. I love it. Gosh, he reminds me of a boyfriend I had. Oh, (laughs) didn't go well. Ah, Well, if you want to ask more about it, I'll tell you. Otherwise, I won't, you know. Yeah. 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 And then they'll usually say, no, I don't. I hate that. And then, but then they, you know, if you say, okay, they'll usually come around and say, well, what did happen? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So we're not trying to stuff it down their throat. Yeah. No. So you talk about, and I want you to, you know, end on this, on this note with just the importance of feminine power and boundaries, loving boundaries. And so how does that connect? Yeah. So boundaries are the thing I would say I have struggled with the most in my relationship with myself and with others because we're caring, right? And that's a beautiful thing. And it's a wonderful thing, but we put others first, you know, we try, we, you know, if there's someone needs something, we'll do it for them first and ourselves last. And the thing is that I really think that it's something important for us to harness as a feminine power is to set these loving boundaries, because when you're worn out and when you feel like run down, you're not doing anyone any favors. The times that I snap at my kids or say something or do something I regret is always when I feel I'm not taking good enough care of myself. I'm not setting boundaries. Like, the, can you get this? Can you get me a water bottle? Can you do that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And also I'm like, ah, like I'm stop, you know, and it's my problem because I didn't set the boundaries and I'm going to take, take care of myself. And the way that I look at it is like, I always say you cannot water the garden with an empty watering can. You have to put water in the can. Otherwise, you're just kind of holding a dry can around. And I think so much of us, one of the most beautiful things about women is that we want to give, we want to help, we want to nurture. But in order to do that, it really, we have to fill our own tanks. And so with boundaries, I kind of go through like some like hacks on how I have learned how to do it. Because when I hear boundaries, I think of someone being cold and hard and like rude, like, you know what? I'm sorry. You crossed my boundary. You can't do that. Or no, I'm not going to be able to come to your event because I've got boundaries. And you're like, oh, it just feels so yucky. And I think the real intent of boundaries is that it's loving and that it's loving to others and it's loving to yourself. And there's ways I have figured out with working with clients, but also doing it myself, anything in this book I've done myself. Uh, I've practiced myself. I've done myself. Um, 
So, and, and so walking through, like, how do we set boundaries that are loving? And, you know, some of the like quick little tips that I, I have in the book and I go into further, is just like, one is I, I, I work this out with my own therapist is that I never say yes immediately, but that doesn't mean we have to say no immediately either. You can say for, okay, so someone invites you to their birthday dinner. That's very, like, I'll respond. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for inviting me. That sounds so fun. Let me check my calendar or let me check my kid's calendar, my husband's and get back to you. But like first is like genuine, like excitement. It's not like, I don't know. I've, I've got to check, you know, I've been so tired. I'm run down. It's like, we don't have to do it like that. You can be very kind and excitable about it. And then the second step I do is I do this thing I call a pretend no. So then when my I'm reflecting, I say to myself, no, I'm not. And I just try it on. I just say in my head, no, I'm not going to that birthday dinner. And I think it through and I think of how I would say no and how I would do all this stuff. And then I sit and I think how I, I notice how I feel. So do I feel relieved? Do I feel conflicted, guilty, anxious? These are signs that maybe that dinner is not for me, not this time. Um, But then when I say no in my head and I really think it through, like this is how I'd say no. And I think if I feel kind of like, oh, you know what? I actually do want to go. I'd like to go because I wanted to ask, you know, whatever. And you, you start and you can feel the yes kind of coming around. And then I go, I walk through a couple other steps and I won't go through all now, but like of when you say no, how do you say no in a way that enhances your relationships, but also takes care of yourself? So there's a lot, no one likes being told no, but it's like, how do we say no in a way that, you know, honors that person? Like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful you invited me to your birthday dinner. That is so nice. I unfortunately, I'm not gonna be able to make it this time. But please, I'd love to get together another time or I'd love, please keep me in mind for the next, you know, something like that, where it's just basic, but it's still kind and authentic and and genuine. There's finding something true and real to you. I mean, don't, not saying things you don't mean, but um, not just being like, no. And then you go through your laundry list of reasons why <clears throat> no one likes that. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking, I mean, that is just such a, such a diamond in your book to be (laughs) able to like unpack that alone. I'm sitting here when you said the tired part, I can see that. I think I give that off sometimes to like people that are closer to me. It's like, I'm so tired. So don't ask, you know, don't ask me. Like, yeah. oh, I'm so busy. I'm so yeah. tired yeah. versus yeah. just having the boundary. Because if I'm tired and I'm exhausted, then maybe they won't be upset with my no. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so it's just interesting how you slowed that whole process down. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, well, thank you. You know, because yeah. that yeah. helps me like, oh, that's what's going on versus, no, I need to take care of myself. Absolutely. Well, you know, the funny thing is, that when, if you don't, this is the last part of the boundaries thing is if you don't set your own boundaries, your body will. And I said, when you are running thin or this is, this is how it is for me. And I've seen it with other people too. you get a migraine, you get sick, you get a virus, you get an ear infection, you, you know, injure yourself. Like how often have we had a clumsy thing? You burn your hand on a curling iron or you, you roll your ankle. I always say like, listen, I, you know, as some accidents happen and, and we're all going to get sick, it's not to make it bad. But what I do is I make it curious. I always go, hmm, whenever I get sick, I always go, huh, 
I wonder if it's about for me because I'm like, ooh. And one of the keys that I always say is like, if you're really struggling to say no to something and you start thinking almost a fantasy about getting the stomach flu, that is a good sign to just say no because I've literally gotten the stomach flu when I couldn't say no and I was eight months pregnant and it was a work deadline and I really did not feel like I had the power to say no and my body shut down and I was vomiting all night and I swear, yes, like I'm not trying to say viruses and sicknesses aren't real, but there also a there's an emotional component. Like just be curious when you do that, or if you're tired all the time, you're, you're, you're saying that it's like, then it's a, it's kind of like you're you know, a less direct way or I'm so busy. And we all say that. And I know, but like, it's sort of a less direct way of saying, I, I don't think I can commit to doing much more versus, you know, just, Oh, I would love to, but I right now just can't. Mm-hmm. And, and the biggest thing with boundaries, when we say no, This is a big thing for me. Let your no be enough. You can be kind and let your no. When you give the reasons why, it's generally really insulting. Like if I think about it, we do it to be kind, right? But like when someone's like, oh my gosh, thank you for inviting me to your birthday dinner. But my daughter has band practice and I've got a driver, you know? And you're like, what? Or I'm just so tired. And then you see him doing something the next day and you're like, wait a minute. Like usually, unless the excuse is like a wedding, a hurricane, a fire, or like something like very large, they're generally, it's, it, it, you're telling someone where they line up and you're thinking like, oh, I've got to, you know, like you, you know, the funny version is I'm going to wash my hair. Like that's not real. But like, and so I was like, oh, I've got a hair appointment. I can't move. Oh, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm less important than your hair appointment. I'm pretty sure they are flexible and you have enough time to make a difference. And it's like when you just, it's okay to put your hair appointment over what your friend is asking you to do. But when we give all the excuses, it it minimizes our power and just saying, I'm trusting myself and trust my boundaries. Say, ah, oh, it's not going to work for me. You also invite them to help problem solve. So Oh, I can't, I can't come to your birthday dinner because I've got to drive carpool. Oh, my friend Peggy can drive. That's great. You can come. She'll drive your kids. Now, now what? Now what do you do? You know, because yes, yes, it yes. people to poke holes, not because they're bad, not because they're manipulative. It's just if you're throwing out problems and they throw out a solution, now what? Now you say, well, actually, I just don't want to come. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I think I'm coming down to something. You know, it's like all of a sudden it's like, so when we just let our no be enough, that's saying like, I'm, you know, trusting myself and, you know, I'm sorry, it's just not going to work for me tonight, but I would love to see you. And I'm so, I'm so honored you invited me and I, I, oh, will you send me pictures? I, I, I I'm going to FOMO. I'm going to miss out. And that may all be true. You can say no, but it's, but you don't give a lot of detail. Like, oh, I have this really big orthodontist appointment for my kid. I just can't <laughs> you know, It's like, ah, feels terrible, you know? <laughs> That is so good, Lauren. Like thinking about how we can do that. We just give so many excuses and it oh. is, it's, it can be insulting and hurtful. Yeah. We don't think about that. No, right. Yeah. Yeah. So. You're just like, I'm just so tired. And you're like, but yeah, you went to lunch with someone else yesterday. So were you not tired that, you know, it's like, it's just kind of like, uh, again, we don't mean to do it. We mean well, but I, it it's honoring that feminine power saying I have boundaries and I have to take care of myself. Whatever that looks like doesn't need to be privy to the person that you're saying no to. It's better for them too. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
Yeah, so good. So tell everybody, because this is, I have to get a copy of your book. It's going to be out by the time we we, uh, broadcast this. Where do they find you? Where do they get your book? And connect with you. It's really easy. Um, The book will be on Amazon and Kindle. So I think you just would just go to Amazon, put in She's Not Crazy or my name, which is She's Not Crazy is way easier because my name is so long. And um, but yeah, and then you can order the Kindle version or paperback. They're pretty cheap. And I think um, all. Oh, and the other thing is um, all the donate, all the proceeds go towards our nonprofit. So we have scholarships for people who can't um, if they if their insurance doesn't cover therapy or we have people in need. Um, we give scholarships. So all of it goes to our nonprofit, which is um, Inspire Change for Mental Health. So, you know, even if you don't really like the book or you don't use it, and you but you buy it, you're, you're it, it's, it's um, going towards a good cause. So hopefully that's enough to, um, you know, whatever. But yeah. So I love that you're doing that with the proceeds to your book. Yeah. Yeah. It'll You're be amazing. And you give oh. back. So yeah, I try. thank you. Yeah. yeah thank you, Lauren, for well, coming so on. Much. Yeah. I just love having you on. We'll have to have you back because there's so many things. I mean, mom guilt came up for oh, me yeah. and oh, how yeah. you grow a successful business and your mom. I mean, so much. Yeah, but I wanted to get the word out about your book. You. And That's I know, great. I know that it's going to be super helpful to moms. I hope so. Thank you. Well, um, thank you so much for what you're doing too. I know you've got such a beautiful community of moms and I think it's so cool that everyone's just trying to do their best and come together. I think women are better together. So you're rocking. Keep it up. We, yeah, thank you. We are better together for sure yep. in our feminine power. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yay! Well, that's it for today. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. I so appreciate that you are here and that you listen in and that you're a part of Moms of Tweens and Teens and our community. And if you have a friend that you know could benefit from what we're doing here, please forward this podcast episode, share with her about momsoftweensandteens.com. If you have not checked out our website, I encourage you to go do that, momsoftweensandteens.com. We have so many exciting things for you. We have been, my team and I are working madly behind the scenes. We are going to be reopening Mott's University with so many resources for all of you to support you. I am going to be doing a whole workshop series next month. So make sure that you get on our newsletter list. And if you want to reach out to me, uh, you can just reach out to me at Cheryl, S-H-E-R-Y-L at momsoftweensandteens.com. And you can connect with me there. I also do every Wednesday, almost every Wednesday, a 9 a.m. Facebook live on our Moms of Tweens and Teens Facebook group. And you can submit questions and I answer them during that time. And that's 9 a.m. Central time on Wednesday. So have a great week and I'm looking forward to connecting with you next week. 